Hey, it's Ben here, and welcome back to the podcast. My guest today is Beck, whose life is a remarkable one of faith, the power of prayer, and divine protection. From the moment she was born with the umbilical cord wrapped around her neck to healing from deep vein thrombosis, protection from malignant melanomas, and divine protection from two car accidents, the most serious of which occurred when she was thrown from a car at only 10 months old and pinned under it in a remote ravine. As you listen, like I did, you will wonder at how one individual could be so accident and incident prone, and you will marvel at the power of prayer and the faithfulness of God in answering the prayers of his people. Enjoy. Beck, welcome to Revival on the Air today. Thanks. Thank you for having me. I'm a bit nervous. Why? Because when we were talking before about your list of things, you're pretty accident prone. <laughs> I was a bit worried you'd come in and fall over and die in my lounge room. Well, I try my hardest now to just walk very gingerly and carefully. You know, those, those stairs you have? Lucky might, there's a handrail. Yeah, I might need to hold on to that when I go. So you've home. got a big long list of things, amazing miracles that have happened in your life that God has uh, mm. performed for you. Uh, and they start really, really early, in fact, back when you were born. That's right, Ben. They certainly do. So things did start with my birth. Mm. When I was born, the umbilical cord was wrapped twice around my neck and when I came out, I was all blue. And so the, the doctors and the nurses, they took me away quickly. Mum and Dad didn't actually know what was going on. And your mum and Dad at that point, they were believers in God and you know, been spirit-filled, yes. et cetera, yeah? Yes, they actually got baptised in spirit-filled when Mum was pregnant with me. Okay, so right. it was only a few months before okay. my birth. So, yeah. But they they obviously realised that something was a bit amiss. So they just prayed. They didn't know what they were praying for, but they just went, we're going to give this over to God. And so when they came back, the, the doctors and nurses told them what had happened and what they were worried about, obviously being blue with the cord around my neck. Yeah. They were worried that there was some oxygen deprivation. Yeah. But everything was actually okay. So that was really the first, like quite a big miracle for my mum and dad to see that. And such early on in their face. Yeah, 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 it was, that they could see that even if they didn't quite know what was wrong, that they could pray mm. and things would be okay mm. after that. You know, it wasn't that long after that that the next big miracle happened um, for me and my family. I was a baby and we were on our way. So how old were you this age? I was 10 months old. Okay, so, yep, okay. And we were going down to our camp, our Christmas camp down at Karakalinga, mm-hmm. uh, driving in the car with my mum and my dad and my older sister and another older gentleman um, from our church yeah. and we were driving along and we had a car accident. Now, at that time, Dad had a F100 ute truck yeah. type car and it rolled down. So um, was it a ute or did it have like a canopy oh, on the back? Oh, yeah, it had a canopy yeah. on the back. And where so was everyone? Then, were you all in, in the front back seat? or in the- Well, I was in the front seat because, um, you know, I don't want to give away my age, but it was at the time when there wasn't any real airbags. Well, no airbags, no no safety, (laughs) you know, no real sort of um, secure restraints for babies and things like that. So I was on my mum's lap. Of course you were. And um, it was summer, the window was down. So, And was this 
did, did this accident happen on that back road that used to be yes. a dirt road? Yep, yeah, yep, okay. down by the Maiponga Reservoir. Yep. That, yep, that that dirt road. Which That's- is, for those that haven't been there, pretty narrow, windy. Even now, today, it's a bitumen. It's uh, it's bitumen, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah. it was a pretty nasty road back then. But yeah, way way back when I was a baby, mm. it was not not as good as it is now. So I had an accident, and um, the F100 rolled down the side of a, a, a ravine type thing and everyone else got out the car okay. The only, like my sister in the end got a broken arm out of it. But no, and how old no, was she? She would have been four, almost four and a half. Uh-huh. And, but they couldn't find me. And um, so, you know, obviously a bit of a search. What had happened was that the I'd fallen out the window and the truck had actually landed across me, so sort of almost across my stomach yeah. sort of area. So all that was visible was the top, my top, my chest and my my face. And obviously there was no one around yeah. and that was the time before mobile phones. So it was another big thing where there was just a lot of faith in my mum and dad and the older gentlemen that were with them. Mm. Dad sort of said, we're going to pray and when we lift the truck and obviously being an F100 was about one tonne. I reckon it would be heavier than a tonne. Those F100 trucks are like tanks. Yeah. Yeah, so it was huge. So so, so the truck's positioned down this ravine. Yeah. So uh, what was stopping it rolling, it rolling further? I'm actually not sure. sure. So it was just stuck on this ravine and you were just pinned underneath pinned it. Pinned underneath mm. it. So they, they had prayer and um, my dad and the older gentleman, and he was an older gentleman too, so not not a young, fit sort of man. And your dad's not a strapping seven-foot, you know. <laughs> not at all. No, no. He's, the, he's so, the sweetest He's the sweetest guy I know, I reckon. <laughs> he is, he is, but muscle man, he's not. So they had prayer and so both of them, they just put their hands on the truck yeah. and lifted it off me and mum picked me up out yeah, from right. under the truck and got me out. So that, again, was another thing that showed that God was with us. A, that you weren't killed to start with, yes. right, and then B. Um, yeah. Absolutely, because that just couldn't have happened. Mm. Two people sort of pushing up the truck off me wouldn't have happened without God. So we went to hospital, got all checked out. There was nothing really wrong with me wow. at all, which, again, is another miracle. That's amazing. It was Absolutely amazing. I can't remember it, so I, I hear the story from my mum and dad. But mm. you know, even now, when when they recount that story, they're just blown away. Does your sister Catherine remember that four and a half? Vaguely, yeah. vaguely. Yeah. And the other thing with her, because she got a broken arm out of it, but her broken arm was healed a lot quicker than it should have been as well. So mm. there again, just another little sort of miracle healing mm. that happened with her out of that. So you know, we we went on from there and everything was great for a little while again you know you talk about me being accident prone (laughs) um so again when I was a toddler my sister features in this story too uh I was chasing her around our house our house um was solid brick and I ran headfirst into one of our um brick walls um dad came out without a helmet on oh yep no head protection (laughs) whatsoever slammed straight into it so dad came and picked me up and he sort of looked at me and went, oh, not looking that great. But I somersaulted out of his arms and landed headfirst on the ground. 
So hang on, how did that happen? Was that a reaction? Was that a? Oh, just you know, Dad just goes. He, I just, he just picked me up and I just fell out of his arms, yeah. like you know. And then head first again on the concrete. Head first, yeah. So twice. Excellent. So he picked me up again, and this time things weren't that great. Like my eyes started rolling back into my head, and so he was he was worried. Obviously, he looked at me, going, "Well, you know, this is not great at all." Mm. It's looking life or death here. Um, Flinders was the closest hospital to us at that time. That was about 20 minutes away. So Dad was just like, well, again, the Lord's got to do something here because she's not going to survive if he doesn't intervene. So Mum and Dad had some prayer for me and within 15 minutes I was up and running around again like nothing had happened at all. So mum and dad took a bit of time to actually recover from that. Me being little, I was fine. They just, you know, had to take a moment to go, oh, my, we, you know, we almost lost our daughter here. Yeah. But, again, you know, through God's mercy mm. and grace, he's saved her once again. I reckon God's got a plan for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure whether you've worked that out in your life yet. But, oh, but. <laughs> look, you know, so many times I have thought that too, gone, you know, he must really want me around for something. Mm. And sometimes I think it's obviously to, I don't know, be a warning to others. Do you know what? That's good. That's what testimonies are about, right? Yep. And, yep. And, and to inspire faith in others as well. Yep. And I go, you know what, if if my testimony and to just, you know, be able to share it with people to tell them that this is the things that God can do, that's great. So, so you've survived the toddler era? Yes. What happens after that? Oh, well... We went away on a family holiday when I was about five and we visited my great-auntie and it was a particularly cold night. So, again, I'm beginning to wonder whether my sister wants me gone because this this story <laughs> features, oh, <laughs> yeah, this story features her as well. So we got up in the morning and it was really, really cold and we were just running around playing. And one thing I distinctly remember was out the back door of my auntie's house there was a bucket of water and it was frozen solid so that just sort of shows how cold the morning was and we're running around and playing and just having fun then I started feeling really really sick so I went into mum and dad just oh I feel really sick and you know they looked at me and my lips were blue and my fingernails were blue and they didn't know what that was they didn't really no, so they went, well, we'll just have some prayer for you. So they had some prayer for me and just let me have a sleep. They went, you have a sleep and maybe you'll feel better when you wake up. So I went to sleep, woke up a bit later, absolutely fine, no sickness, lips and fingernails in normal colour, yeah. demanding breakfast. Yeah. So everything was fine. And we didn't really think much about that. Went on, had the rest of our holiday, came back, to Adelaide and mum was recounting this story to a nurse who was really, really surprised because she said to my mum, you know, the symptoms that I had been displaying were the classic signs of hypothermia yeah. and the worst thing you can do for someone with hypothermia is let them sleep wow. because they can fall into a coma and die. So, again, you know, like, you know, my, my parents weren't medically trained at all. None of us sort of even thought that hypothermia could have been mm. 
a possibility, or even if we thought it was a possibility, not, none of us would have thought, oh, well, don't let us sleep. Yeah. So, again, like the Lord's hand was on on me and my family at that time because I woke up after, oh, it was about half an hour, nothing wrong with mm. me at all. Isn't it interesting um, when you said that they prayed for you, we, use, we often use the words, we'll just pray for you, mm-hmm. isn't it? As, yeah. as if, yes. whereas, in fact, that's the best thing that we can do, isn't it? Absolutely. We'll pray for you and we expect a miracle, miracle. right? But we often yeah. use the language, you know, well, I'll just pray just, for you as if that's if that's not the best thing, but it is absolutely 100% the best thing mm. to do. Wow. It, it certainly is. I think we, we sort of just get so used, used to, to that it. being well, so part used, of our life. Exactly. We're so used to the miracles. We're so used to So it's mm. as if that's just the thing that we do. Mm. Um, I had a um, couple of ladies over for lunch uh, a few months ago and uh, don't go to our church. I've been you know, to another church for many years or, or different churches for many years. And one lady I think maybe has been a follower of, of God for 50 years or more wow. had never seen a miracle. No. Um, and that, oh, uh, gosh. And it shocked me. Yeah, Not only it shocked would. me, but it, it made me a little bit angry actually um, because <laughs> yep. and, and it really lines up with the scriptures about, you know, the churches that we see, you know, that don't have the power, mm-hmm. you know, or that they, you know, that they have a form of godliness. But mm-hmm. don't have the power, yeah, uh, and uh, and that's um, yeah, it's pretty sad. It is, mm. it is really, especially like you know, to be a follower of God for fifty years mm. and not be able to see a miracle, yeah, and not be able to see what what's promised in the Bible in your own mm-hmm. life, or not be able to see you know the the evidence of Jesus in your own life, mm-hmm. um, like it's been promised. Mm. That's really sad. Mm. It is sad. Mm-hmm. All right, so hypothermia, tick. Yep. <laughs> Next thing. What's next on your list? Well, we had a few good years there. Fantastic. Your parents must have got bored. Oh, (laughs) yep, yep. So, you know, there had to be something that came on after that. It was about when I was 19 and um, so it was mum, dad, Catherine again and I. We were um, in a car accident. Uh, Someone sort of rear-ended us out of it. And so out of that I was really the only one who got any sort of injuries. Everyone else, thankfully, was pretty much okay. Uh, I got whiplash Mm -hmm. from it. So I was going to the physio for quite a bit of time. I was in quite a lot of pain over it. Physio at one stage was like, oh, you know, really everything was focused mainly on my neck and stuff like that. But then it's like, oh, let me just sort of just have a look at your spine as well, make sure that's okay. Yep, no worries. Just having a look and looking at things. goes, oh, you know, your spine's great. Your spine is perfect. And I just, that, that surprised me because I was like, oh, really? And he goes, yeah, nothing wrong with it. I said, oh, well, when I was 13, I found out I had scoliosis. So, you know, curvature of the spine. So my spine was far from perfect. Yeah. He just went, no, you don't. You don't have scoliosis at all. And so that was, for me, that was quite a huge mm. thing because it was something that I had learned to live with. I, I really, it's one thing that I never really prayed about. It was just, oh, you know, I've got a curvature in my spine, I'll just live with it. And, and I, the only thing that really affected, there was a little bit of pain, but the, the biggest thing that affected me out of it was that I found it difficult to wear dresses right? because um, a lot of dresses would follow the curvature of my spine yeah, and okay. not, yeah, and not actually sit right 
and just look a bit funny. So I never really wore dresses very much. You wear dresses so, a lot now. Well, <laughs> I was just thinking yes. as you were saying that, I'm going, I don't remember the last time I saw you not in a dress. <laughs> not that we've seen and each other for a long time because of corona no, anyway. No, but you know what, Ben, that is exactly why I wear dresses a lot oh, now. Wow. Is because like it's almost like a daily reminder to me that it's another thing the Lord mm. has healed me of, that, you know, he took away something that, you know, wasn't going to go away by itself, mm. but he just did it and even without my knowing so that is one thing that I'm really grateful for. So for me, wearing a dress is like that constant reminder. Yep. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, yeah, it is. It really is. Yeah, right. And to go that I can wear them without and they sit properly. Yeah. So, yeah, it's um, one thing that I'm really grateful for because um, I quite like dresses. Mm. <laughs> hey, it's Ben here and I'm here with my wife, Emily, and we'd like to tell you about the new podcast called He Says, She Says, God Says. It's all about marriages and relationships where God is at the centre. Everyone knows that marriages are under more pressure today than ever. So this podcast is designed to help you with both practical and spiritual content. We cover a different topic about marriage each episode and we look into the scriptures to understand what God's wisdom has for us as well as interviewing other couples who have been there before, what's worked for them, their challenges and how they overcome them, their experiences. So whether you're single and thinking about a relationship, newly married, married with kids or empty nesters, there will be episodes and topics for everyone. You can find it on your favourite podcast app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, etc. We're also on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Just search for He Says, She Says, God Says or visit our webpage www.hesayssheesaysgodsays.com. So tell me about your DVT because we share a similar yes. similar miracle yes, here. We do. Um, both have uh, been healed of DVTs. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me when that started. Okay, so that was when I was pregnant with my first son. I was twenty four weeks pregnant, and I started getting a lot of pain in my groin. Yeah, and so you know, and it was just it came on really suddenly. And so I went to my my doctor. My doctor was like, "Oh, yeah, you know, you, you're pregnant." This could be happening. I'll send you to the physio, you know, do some exercises and, and you'll be fine. So I go off to the, the physio and have all the exercises and they do nothing. The pain is getting worse. So this went on for about three weeks. So when I was 27 weeks pregnant, again, I'd been going back to the doctor. Nothing was working. It was now too painful to even walk. So I was in a wheelchair and the doctor just looks at me and goes, you know what, I'm just going to send you for an ultrasound just to rule out deep vein thrombosis. He did not think there was a DVT, but just want, we'll just do that. There's nothing that I had was any of the classical symptoms. symptoms. Yeah. It was all just really extreme groin pain. So I went to have my ultrasound and the ultrasound actually showed that I had a DVT in my thigh, the whole length of my thigh, and it was covering up three quarters of my vein. So it was pretty serious. Mm-hmm. So then obviously I had to go and um, go straight to the hospital and get straight on some medication for that to help. So that was 
know, and then after that, I, you know, I was really praying about that going, oh, my goodness, this this is something really, really serious. And, and getting to the hospital, everyone was just like, how have you been, you know, for three weeks still, you know, here and the, the clot is just in your thigh, it hasn't gone anywhere, yeah. it hasn't done anything else. So, again, that really just showed to me um, that God is really looking after you even, again, when you don't when quite you don't know. know. Mm exactly what the issue is that he's got his hand on you so that was just amazing so the rest of the pregnancy went on okay I had my son and everything was fine then when I got pregnant with my daughter you know I I didn't feel any any issues I still had the the deep vein thrombosis it hadn't gone anywhere so it hadn't changed hadn't got bigger smaller no and I'd been told that due to the the size of it that nothing short of surgery was ever going to get rid of it. Yeah. It was just something that I would sort of have to monitor and live with. So everything was going along okay. Um, then one morning I wasn't feeling fantastic, but, you know, just, again, I just put it down to, oh, I'm, I'm pregnant, I'm, you know, tired and sore. And my husband was getting ready for work and he kept on saying to me, oh, I don't know, I, I just can't get moving this morning. I can't get going and James is never late for anything like he is just always on time this morning he was running late and for no discernible reason whatsoever um then he he went off to do something and a bit later he came to find me and I'd actually collapsed right and I was unconscious right and, so, and do you remember how this happened like, do you remember that time or well Vaguely, vaguely, yeah. like I'd been feeling quite unwell and I was just in the hallway yeah. and I just remembered getting a little bit dizzy yeah. but nothing else and then obviously I collapsed. The dunk. Yep, straight down on, on the ground. And the thing is with that, if James had actually been on time, time. yeah, he would have actually been away and already left for work. For the whole day. For yeah. the whole day, Yeah. Yeah, so he was there, he found me. We went straight to the hospital again where they found that my DVT had increased Mm -hmm. but also they thought what had happened was that a part of it had broken off and gone to my heart. Right, and that's what caused you? Yes, yeah, yep. So again, went, you know, this isn't great, so... Again, more more medication, more more monitoring, everything. What like sort of that. medication were you on? Just blood? I was on Clexane at that time, which was in injections twice yeah. a day, so it's blood thinning medication. Yeah. So and then the rest of the pregnancy went okay again. So I had my daughter, and you know everything was again okay. Like I just still didn't have any other issues with the clot whatsoever, no other problems. And actually, it was a few years after that that I had to go have an ultrasound on my leg again. Yeah. And while they are doing the ultrasound, the um, the sonographer said to me, oh, I can see, you know, remnants of a clot in your thigh. And I was like, um, yeah, because I had a DVT. I explained what had happened. But I went, so you said remnants. And, and she's like, yep, yep, you know, it, it's it's dissolved. I went, oh. oh. And again explained how, well, yeah. I was told that because of the size and how much of my vein it had covered up, yeah. that nothing short of surgery was ever going to dissolve it mm. or get rid of it. 
And she was like, no, you know, and even showed me, not, not again, not that I'm a medical person, <laughs> but she sort of went, here it is on the screen, like, yeah. and pointed out exactly where the bits that were still there and everything else was my, yeah. my veins were pretty much clear. So, you know, again, like going that, that you know, as another proof mm. that, you know, the Lord's looking after me and is working another miracle. Mm. And, you know, I could then sort of tell that's an aquifer, well, this is what I was told and this is what it is now. Tell her the story. Tell her that, you know, I believe in God yeah. and I believe that God was the one that healed me. She sort of turned to me and said, well, it must be God because nothing else would have made this happen. I remember when uh, I had mine diagnosed, mine was in the lower, well, sorry, it was behind my knee and up to nearly the top of my thigh. It was about 23 centimetres mm-hmm. long. Uh, when I finally got to see the vascular surgeon, it was uh, it was completely solid. Um, wow! And uh, and he he said, look, at this point, what it's done is it's completely solid. Uh, it's now effectively turned into scar, so there's no way for it to to. And he said, even surgery, he said we wouldn't do surgery on this one. And he said, and that's the way it'll be for the rest of your life. Goodness! And uh, they did put me on some medication for a while to stop it getting any bigger. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said it won't change the size of it at all, but it'll, it may stop it getting bigger. And then I think I went back to him, and Emily was there at the appointment. I went back to him six months later. We'd obviously prayed about it. Uh, went, and we love praying when the doctor said that, say, there's nothing that can be done. Um, mm-hmm. And so we'd walked away clearly with a, Lord, you need to show us and to show mm-hmm. him that there is something that can be done. And so the next time we went back, it was 10 centimetres long. So now wow. it's more than 50% reduction. Oh, yeah. And he was like, hmm, okay. Um, well, sometimes they do reduce a little bit in size. He mm-hmm. said, but, you know, that's still completely solid. Oh, no, at this point there was a tiny bit of blood, just a very tiny bit going mm-hmm. through. And, of course, at that point he said, no, no, there, there won't be any further changes um, because of the time period, et cetera. And then the next time I went back it was four centimetres. That's amazing. And then, uh, and then I had uh, a scan recently, uh, and it was completely gone. Fantastic! Um, so oh, it's good. That's good. Good stories, aren't they? Absolutely, mm. really good stories. Mm. So, do you have anything else on your list? You do, don't oh, you? I do, I do. There's more. Absolutely. So then we did have another few good years where nothing too major happened. Um, in 2015, I was at work one day, and I just looked down at my arm. I always had like a little mole on my arm Mm -hmm. and there was just a tiny little red spot on it. And I thought to myself, oh, that's a bit different. I went back to working and then a couple of minutes later I just looked at it again and went, I should probably see a doctor about that. So I made an appointment and the doctor was just a bit, oh, yeah, you know, it looks okay. He said to me, if you're worried about it, I can remove it. But because you know you could just monitor it, make sure it's it's okay. So I said to him, I, I want it removed. So he was like, Oh, okay, all right. So he he removed it and um, sent it away for testing just to make sure there wasn't anything nasty in it. And when we got the results back, he was really shocked because it came back as melanoma. Right. And he said to me, I completely wasn't expecting that at all. So he said, you know, you did the right thing by getting it removed. Like, yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. So he said, he said to me, oh, yeah, you know, this sort of melanoma, if it had been left three months, it would have spread. In that shorter period of time. Yeah. Wow. 
Yeah. So it was a, it was a nasty one. Yeah. And uh, so I'm okay. All right. Yep. So good, good thing to you know make sure we got rid of that. And so I had to go because it was a melanoma. I had to go back and get um, what they call a white incision around to where they took the spot out just to make sure. So they take extra skin, extra skin. around. The, yep. Yeah, just to make sure that, that the melanoma hadn't spread anywhere uh-huh. else. So they took a massive chunk out of my arm. Yeah. And thankfully that came back all clear. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing nothing wrong with that. But because I'd had a melanoma, then I had to go and have regular skin checks. So I went and had one in 2016. And that one, the doctor looked at a couple of spots and just went, oh, I don't really like the looks of these. And, again, it was the same thing. Oh, we could leave them to your next one or you could take them out. And I just went, you know, after my last melanoma, I just want these removed too. So it's like, okay. So we went through the same thing, removed them and got them tested. Sure enough, both spots were nasty ones. Yeah. So... No, and then I remember the doctor at that stage, he, he sort of said to me, he goes, oh, this is quite funny how, you know, now you've had sort of three spots removed and they're all nasty. It's like I, I don't see it that often that someone comes in with the spots and then, then they come back so quickly again and so fast mm. changing and he, he remarked to me at that stage, he goes, you know, like you, you've just come in again at the perfect time to get these removed before they, they spread. And he said, he goes, you know, I think someone's looking out for you. <laughs> he said that. Didn't yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I just smiled and went, yes, yes, and I can tell you about that. Yeah, I bet. So, you know, again, it was one of those things where he just goes, to me, like I told him, and he goes, "Well, you know, you just keep doing what you're doing. Mm. You know, my, my, I will, I will, and you know, and just keep making sure that, you know, we have to do some things naturally, of course, like you know, keep up with for me for these skin checks and stuff. But I do know that God's got His hand on me as well, mm. and that was proven again last year because I had it wasn't even time for my regular skin check, but I had a little spot that I was a bit concerned about. So my doctor had always said, you know, even if it's not time for your regular skin check, if you're concerned about something, come. Come and we'll check it out. So I felt a bit like, you know, maybe a bit of a hypochondriac going to the doctor to get this spot checked out. So he looked at it and he goes, you know what, that one's okay. And then he said to me, you know, while you're here, why don't we just do another, like, full skin check? Okay, all right, let's do that. And so he found another spot. Wow. Uh, yeah, a little spot, you know, that I hadn't even noticed, yeah. I hadn't even thought would have been anything whatsoever because, you know, he looked at it and goes, oh, I don't like the look of this one. And he showed it to me. And to me it just looked like a freckle, yeah. like without any anything wrong with it. But he just went, yeah, I don't really like this one. So, and again, he goes, do you want me to take it out? I'm like, you even need to ask the question, the question. now. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what I thought. I'm like, oh, this is the third time. Can you just, you know, get it out? Because, you know, I, I don't even want to, you know, go, oh, we'll just leave it. Mm. Because I, I did say from that side, I went, you know what? Anytime you find anything you're a little bit suspicious about, let's just remove it. Because, yeah. you know, 
knowing what I've been through, maybe it's going to be another nasty one. Sure enough. (laughs) Sure enough, wow. Yeah, yeah, it was another one. This one was just, it hadn't actually turned into melanoma yet, but it was changing. So the doctor said, you know, we caught this one really, really early in the stage where it got it out and just as it was on the cusp of turning into something nasty, Mm. another cancer, so it it just needed to be removed and didn't actually need any sort of white incisions, Mm. any other skin out around it. So that's, again, you know, I I know I put that down to God again. Mm. You know, looking after me, going, you know, you think you're worried about this spot but I'm sending you in because there's something you you haven't even looked yep. at, you haven't yep. even seen. Yeah, awesome. Mm-hmm. Great. Thank you so much for sharing your amazing stories. Oh, <laughs> that is no worries at all. Thank you for having me. Uh, maybe we should book a follow-up appointment in 12 months, t- 12 months' time to see what else <laughs> you've got. <laughs> yes. Well, there's never a dull moment, I can tell you. You know, with, with me, it's, there's always something. So Awesome. Yeah. We've got an amazing God. We certainly do. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, Ben. Wow, that truly was an amazing testimony of how her parents' strong belief in the power of prayer brought God's miraculous healing power to bear on a variety of life-threatening situations in Beck's early life. Here's a verse of scripture for you in Psalm 63, verse 7 from the King James Bible, and it says, Because thou hast been my help, therefore in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. Well, Beck certainly is rejoicing today, as is her family, under the protection of our mighty God. Feel free to reach out to us if you'd like to know more about how God can intervene on your behalf and change your life. Email us podcast at revivalontheairtoday.com or head to our website to find out what the Bible says, www.therevivalfellowship.com. Until our next episode, God bless. God bless.